0: The Miami Dolphins have one more preseason game to go against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we're giving you all the primers and storylines ahead of the Dolphins third and final preseason game of 2023. You are locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. I'm your host, Cal Crabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Shout out to our everydayers who do keep it locked in with us on a daily basis because it is your team. Every day here on the Locked On Network, we don't just say we live it. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and sign up with promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. And we have Dolphins, Jaguars, Week 3 preseason in the midst of this flurry of NFL roster transactions and the efforts of all these teams to make the uh, final jostlings and uh, cutdowns to 53 that is coming next Tuesday. So we're going to have a 53-man roster uh, to, to formally work with. It'll probably change three or four names at the bottom of that list come Wednesday, and then we're off and running and getting ready to play the Chargers. So this is kind of our last hurrah As it pertains to um, prepping and making sure that the Dolphins from a um, talent evaluation standpoint are getting the work that they need to get done. And that's why I have my handy dandy roster. And I'm looking at all of the names that the Dolphins have on the books and wondering where exactly our eyes should be most peeled. For this preseason game against Jacksonville and the good news for the Dolphins too is that the Dolphins um, they are as I don't want to say as healthy as you could be but they have had an influx and a return of talent available to participate names like Tanner Connor coming back names like Keon Crossen being available for this football team. They're big developments because, like these are these are meaningful football moves. Never mind what you might do with the latest white whale on the horizon of talent acquisition. Now, case point: uh, I do think that is a meaningful storyline too because uh, Philadelphia last year acquired Chauncey Gardner Johnson in September in a contract year, and that was a key player that helped push them to a different level. That could happen for this football team, but right now we got ninety names on the roster. And uh, if I'm thinking about the storylines, the, the backup quarterback position comes to mind offensively, which is where we're going to start here on the offensive side of football. And for me, it really comes down to Mike White has a concussion. Doesn't sound like he's going to participate in the game. Mike McDaniels come out and say the starters are going to play more than a series, but less than a half. You're going to see a lot of Skylar Thompson. Now you'll see James Blackman too, but. This could be a go-out-and-take-it opportunity for Skylar Thompson. Not that you want to boil the entire training camp and preseason experience down to a single 30 snaps of action against Jacksonville in the preseason. But this is an exclamation point opportunity for Skylar Thompson in this bid to be the backup quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. What does he do with that? I'm highly intrigued to see how long the starters obviously play, but then when Skyler comes in, who is he working with and what does he do with those opportunities? As far as the defensive or the offensive backfield, um, I think you're, you're pretty locked in here. I I don't think there's a lot that Chris Brooks can do to change the positioning of, of the talent that's available on the roster. Um, You have Raheem Oster, you have Jeff Wilson, you have Devon A. Chain, who it sounds like avoided serious injury. Uh, And then you have Savon Ahmed and Miles Gaskin and Chris Brooks. And and I think Ahmed, with being a returning player, being a more explosive player, the fact that you have the Durham Smythes and Alec Ingalls of the world to run some of your short yardage stuff, if you want to run the ball, either QB sneak that they've done with Smythe in the past or Alec Ingold, I think the power of Chris Brooks, and it's an appealing thing, and I like Chris Brooks a ton, and I want him on the practice squad for sure. I just don't think that there's anything that you could do to move the needle enough. I don't think he's close enough to the 53-man roster cutoff with the names in front of him to get into a spot to claim a 53 spot. A wide receiver? uh, The the wide receiver 5-6 slash discussion is one of the more challenging ones on the offensive side of the ball for this team. Robbie Chosen. In a game situation, can you go out, make some plays? Obviously, when you have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, you have Braxton Berrios, you have Eric Azucama, and then you have the financial commitment to Cedric Wilson, like you kind of got five. So it's really not Robbie Chosen versus Cedric Wilson. It's Robbie Chosen versus some of the guys in the tight end room, potentially a running back, potentially an offensive line, like that's a an evaluation that I don't think is comparative to your peers in the room. It's comparative to how you maximize. Now, maximize your 53. I think there's a pretty good chance you could see because the practice squad is able to have a few players that do not have limits on their, their player experience. Robbie Chosen might be a player who doesn't make the initial 53, but they are quick to bring back and have him in a position to be available to call up on game days if they need to. That's what River Craycraft did last year to start the year. But Robbie Chosen's the name for me that it's like, all right, like I want to see it all come together, and I want to see some plays made. Uh, The tight end room, uh, I'm most closely watching Eric Saubert. Uh, I know there's a lower body injury here. Uh, I'm not sure if he will play or not. I understand that there's been some guarantees, uh, but in the grand scheme of things, it's less than a million dollars in dead money if you were to move on from him. And he is a player who I don't think has necessarily – Uh, outpace the competition, whether it be Tyler Croft or in some cases, Julian Hill, and in some cases, Elijah Higgins from an athleticism standpoint. That is a player that you could save some money on. Now, they made a pretty decent commitment to him from a guaranteed money standpoint, and I understand that. Um, But I'm looking at Tyler Croft, and I'm looking at Eric Saubert, and, and there's a comparative nature with those two guys inevitably because they're about the same price point they're both veteran players. I think Croft has comfortably outperformed him. So will that happen again against Jacksonville? I'm interested to see. I can't expect that we will see uh Tron Armstead as far as the offensive line goes. But what I do expect, what I do expect is that your other four starting offensive linemen will be out there for a significant portion of the, of the first half and that uh, Kendall Lamb will be the other offensive tackle that's out there. I don't think there's a lot of mystery here. I don't think there's a lot of intrigue. The only wild card is where do they choose to invoke Liam Eikenberg? Would they put the starters out there and then take Isaiah Wynn out and put Liam Eichenberg back in at some juncture of the first half to evaluate him further? I think the evaluation's pretty much done, personally. But that's my assessment of the player, and I'm obviously not the coaches. I'm not Butch Berry. I'm not Frank Smith. I'm not Mike McDaniel. So I get it. If that, if they want to take that, I, I think I will be watching closely to see if that does indeed happen. We are going to switch gears and talk about the storylines I am most dialed in on, on the defensive side of the football here on Locked on Dolphins. So stick with us. Listen, anybody who's watched this podcast for any period of time knows I'm a big-time prescriber of the idea that you got to look good to play good. And one of the things that you might not know about me is I can't grow a beard. So my shaving routine is very important to me, and that is why I love the fact that I get better quality and better price than other razors when I get Harry's delivered directly to my front door. Uh, As somebody who shaves on a frequent basis, one of the things that I love most about Harry's is the sharpness of the blade is not compromised and scheduled delivery and refills are as low as $2. So you get, you are paying half of what you would pay for other blades from other places. They also have creams, washes and lotions that keep your skin healthy and hydrated. And the blades are made in their own factory in Germany that stay sharp Guys who have tried it say their eighth shave is as sharp as their first, and I would go as far to say my 12th shave is as sharp as my first. Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, and they're still offering the no-risk trial. If you don't like your shave, no worries. It is on them. Get your best shave ever this fall with Harry's razors and skincare products. Get a $13 starter set for just $3 at harrys.com NFL. That's harrys.com NFL. For a $3 starter set. Guys, I gotta ask you a personal question. You ever have trouble performing? Are you out there with your partner? And it feels like you can't get the job done? Does it get even worse when there's lots of people around? Is it especially bad with guacamole? I'm talking about weak chips. The kinds that can't handle a hearty scoop of guac. With Zach's Mighty Tortilla chips. They understand the pain of trying to dip a weak tortilla chip, and no one wants to go soft on the guac. Unlike other chips, Zach's Mighty tortilla chips are literally built to dip because they're made the right way. They're cut directly from tortillas, actual tortillas, so their chips are both sturdy and delicious. Zach's Mighty tortilla chips are now available in sea salt, lime, and nacho flavors. You can find them in the deli section with the dips. So head over to Publix, grab a bag of Zach's Mighty, and scoop that guac like the stud You are. Let's talk about the defense and the storylines within each group that I will be dialed into here uh, on this preseason week three matchup between the Dolphins and the Jaguars. The Jaguars have a little bit of a lux with their offensive line. And we'll, we'll talk about that in segment three, but, um, I think there's a good opportunity here for the Dolphins against this Jacksonville interior to evaluate the uh fringe 53 players. Whether or not we see Zach Sealer, he was held out of Thursday's practice with a lower body injury that was described as not serious, just kind of uncomfortable. He tried to practice through it on Wednesday, or he did practice through it on Wednesday. Obviously, the Christian Wilkins standoff is continuing uh, at this stage, and then you have Raquan Davis. Now, we'll see what kind of ceiling Raquan Davis can perform afford as well. But between names like Brandon Peely and Jalen Twyman and Josiah Bronson and uh, Randy Charlton, these guys are all going to have an opportunity to go against players that I think are really good litmus test for the interior. I want to. I actually want to see Brandon Peely against Ben Barch and against Luke Fortner, because I, I know having evaluated Jacksonville and watched a lot of Trevor Lawrence over the summer, Fortner was a rookie last year. I think he's going to be a good player. I think Ben Barch ideally is not a starter for them, but there's a Cam Robinson suspension and Cam Ro- We can, we'll see Cam Robinson on, on Saturday uh, but then there's the dynamic of Walker Little. Will he play inside at guard? That's a big-body player with some power to his game. Do you get that matchup? I- I'm really interested in all of these young guys. Can anybody, specifically Brandon Peely? Obviously, there's there's a lot of enthusiasm throughout the fan base for Brandon Peely. The splash plays are evident. The natural athleticism for a big-body guy as a once-upon-a-time prized recruit is obvious. But the anchor and the ability to play along the line of scrimmage, I don't know if that's at an NFL level. And I want to see it against a guy in Ben Barch that I think you should be able to handle some one-on-ones with. And then I'm also hoping to see it against Walker Little, potentially, or Brandon Scherf, where those are guys that I think could move you and it's going to be a big test for your ability to play along the line of scrimmage. That's what I'm looking for in the interior group. For the edge group, uh, I'm thinking of, Potential special teams, uh, guys, pl- making a run at the roster. Mitchell Agude, Cameron Good, Garrett Nelson. How do you guys perform? How are you able to, and, and Jacksonville, from a depth perspective on their offensive line, I don't know that we'll see Josh Wells, but between Cole Van Lannon and Bobby Evans and uh, Anton Harrison, who's a first-round pick this year, I, I think there's some players that that are going to be Depending on who it is, there's good evaluation opportunities for these fringe 53 guys. What are you able to do with your opportunities in this game? Go take it. Go force the Dolphins to say, hey, we want another edge guy. And it needs to be 50, or it needs to be 56, or it needs to be 53. That's really where I'm, I'm most intrigued. From a starter's perspective on defense, let's get out of it healthy. That's the number one thing for me is I, I don't want anything that would, would carry over into the start of the regular season. Uh, in the linebacker room itself, obviously Channing Tyndall uh, and his development is paramount for me. It's front front row center for me. Going against the Doug Peterson offense. Uh, obviously, Doug Peterson was my personal choice uh, for the Dolphins when they were hiring a head coach in the aftermath of uh, moving on from Brian Flores. I thought, you know, a Super Bowl winning head coach with an offensive background. Uh, who has a timing-based offense and is really on the front, was on the front lines with RPOs first becoming a thing in the NFL as consistently and frequently as they are. Not to say I'm displeased with Mike McDaniel by any stretch of the imagination, but it is worth acknowledging. um, I loved the dynamics that Doug Peterson brought, and, and I think his offense will be a great test for a young linebacker in Channing Tindall from an execution standpoint. So I can't wait to see Channing Tindall go against Doug Peterson's offense to see how well he feels it. That's what I'm looking for from the linebacker room. Uh, the corners, it, it's some of these fringe guys. Again, Keon Crossan, uh obviously a, a big financial commitment, him coming back and practicing this week. Uh, I don't know. He might be safe just for the fact that he's a special teams guy. I'd be surprised because you look at the rest of the defensive backfield and it is Xavier Howard and Cater Kohu and Cam Smith and Eli Apple and presumably Noah Benogany, who they've continued to give run to. Now you're at five corners, never mind the safeties. Are you going to keep a sixth and is it going to be Keon Crossan? Is it going to be Justin Bethel? I would expect Justin Bethel probably gets cut and then is potentially brought back after the Jalen Ramsey is put on IR. Or they may do that with Keon Crossan and get him at a a discount and save a couple million dollars. But what does Crossan do with this opportunity to showcase that he's worth a 53 spot? And I know the special team's value is there. But can you afford a defensive performance that is not of the nature of what you provided last year, which felt like he was the guy who often got picked on by opposing teams? And in the safety room, I'm kind of keeping my eyes on uh, Keedron Smith, Verone McKinley, Elijah Campbell. Is Brandon Jones going to play? What does Brandon Jones look like? If he does play, I think there's two storylines here. Brandon Jones and his availability to play. Obviously, Deshaun Elliott's kind of had the inside track because he's not been in a red non-contact jersey for the first three weeks of training camp, like Brandon Jones was until earlier this week. But that jersey came off. So I kind of expect Brandon Jones to be out there. And that's going to be a really important storyline for the Dolphins defense is how Brandon Jones looks. Beyond that, uh, the, what is it, the, is there, is there a fifth safety? I think Elijah Campbell probably has the fourth safety position locked in based on opportunities and special teams. But Keedron Smith's flashed quite a bit. And you know who else has flashed quite a bit at a corner is Bryce Thompson, and he's played special teams. I don't know that he's consistent enough, but if the difference for Bryce Thompson versus Keon Crossing, you know, like, yeah, these, these are the names that I'm looking at. And I really have questions about, how big of an opportunity they're going to get, what do they do with their opportunity, and where can they make it go from there? It's really a a fun uh, third preseason game. I hope everybody goes out and stays loose and cuts it loose, and they're going to be playing the Jaguars, which is what we're going to finish with here. It's just a quick primer on Jacksonville, some of the dynamics around that team as we bring this episode of Locked On Dolphins to a close. As it is the end of August, which means it is the official start of Fantasy Football Drafting Month. Get championship ready for your hometown league by trying out Best Ball on Underdog Fantasy. All you have to do is one live snake draft. No waivers, no trades. Underdog sets your best lineup each and every week for you. You can try it out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament. It is the largest fantasy football contest of all time, and it is back and even bigger with $15 million in total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million grand prize payout going to the winner last year. The winner drafted their team in July. So don't wait around. It's almost September. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with promo code LOCKED ON to get your first deposit doubled for up to $100. That is Underdog Fantasy com promo code LOCKED ON. So Jacksonville, we, we've heard from Doug Peterson this week as well and alluded to about a half of football for the starters for Jacksonville. They're ramping up. They're getting ready to go. And this will be a, a big test. I think the speed of Jacksonville will be a big test for the Dolphins' defense and the starters for however long they're out there because you have Travis Etienne out of the backfield. You have Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley at wide receiver. You have Evan Ingram at tight end. You have a lot of of speed and pace in an offense that is very well orchestrated. They are one of the, the. it's off the Andy Recoaching coaching tree, right? And this offensive line for Jacksonville, uh, you'll see Cam Robinson, you'll see Walker Little, you'll see Luke Fortner, you'll see Anton Harrison, you'll see Brandon Scherf. In my opinion, that's their best five guys. Uh, it's a pretty sturdy physical group, Scherf. Cam Robinson, Walker Little, Luke Fort, like Anton Harrison was probably a little bit better pass protector at Oklahoma last year than he was a run blocker. Um, but by and large, this is this is a sturdy group. So is Jacksonville going to come out and try to pound the rock at you? Are they going to be balanced? Are they going to air it out? Uh, they, they have the ability to be a very difficult matchup. And when you think about how Miami's defense is designed to operate, I think this is a great test. This is probably, in my opinion, an 11-12 football team this year playing in the AFC South. I definitely think they're good for double digits. So my expectation is this is going to be the AFC South division champion. And this offense, with good coaching, good balance, a well-designed offensive line, uh, in theory, I think there's still some up and downs and some youth in some spots. There's some weaknesses in other spots as far as just in, in inconsistent strengths of the players. So being balanced offensively is important for them, which is why I like the fact that they added Tank Bigsby, the running back. Uh, maybe not where I would have personally drafted Bigsby, but he's a great complement to Travis Etienne. So you have a pass, uh, you have a out-of-the-backfield threat as a, in the passing game, an Etienne. You have t- speed at tight end in Evan Ingram. These are the things that have given Dolphins defenses of the past fits. How do they handle it? How do they match up against it? How do they, How is their communication strained by the speed? When the starters are out there, that's what I'm keyed on. We just spent 20 minutes talking about the Dolphins individually as players and players that I'm interested in. But at the end of the day, when the starters are out there for the first quarter, the first 20 minutes, the first 25 minutes, that's what I'm looking for when the Dolphins' defense is out there, is how do you schematically handle a speed at, on the perimeter and a size on the, in the trenches conflict, particularly without Christian Wilkins and potentially without Zach Seatler. You'll probably see a lot of even fronts. You'll probably see more of Emmanuel but reduced inside. It's kind of a nice dress rehearsal for one of these, well, what if? What if you're without this and that? We see what it looks like. As far as when the Dolphins have the ball, um, they're big. Jacksonville's big on defense. Now, we won't see Devon Hamilton. Uh, It sounds like he's uh, dealing with a non-football injury with his back. Uh, Could return next week, but Miami missing him will be helpful for their efforts to run the football. Hamilton in the middle is a break house. Now, they still have Fali Fatukasi. They still have Roy Robertson-Harris. They still have Adam Gatsis. Uh, they have big guys inside. Now, Hamilton's the biggest of them all, and the Dolphins missing him is a missed evaluation opportunity for the guys on the interior. Uh, but then they also have size on the edge, where you have Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker. Now, I think their depth on the edge is, is troublesome. Uh, so how do they handle? And Trayvon Walker's got to grow as a pass rusher. So, I think that the Jacksonville's probably suited. This front is probably better suited to defend the run than it is to defend, than rush the passer. And then they've got linebackers in Ola Kuhn and Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma. Uh, Lloyd and Muma were rookies last year, big bodied guys, thick guys, heavy hitting guys. Um, but you got after in the middle of the field a little bit. So, are they going to spin a safety, either Andre Cisco or Rayshon Jenkins? down into the box to help space the middle of the field more against the Dolphins passing game. I think this is a really great test for the Dolphins to come out and work the middle of the field because you have youth at linebacker. You have a pass rush room. That's maybe not the most robust relative to other defenses across the league. They are more sturdy. But then again, I also want to see him try to run the ball on this defense. So what does Mike McDaniel choose to prioritize? I guess is the question. Do you try to do it all? Do you try to have your cake and eat it too? Or do you come out and you say, you know what? They're big up front. We want to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. We're going to get disadvantageous and advantageous looks. All the same, I want to see you run the ball and have success. And what that ends up looking like is the evaluation. Maybe that's it. So I'll be paying close attention when the Dolphins have the ball on what they're calling. Because I think what they're calling is probably going to dictate dictate what they're trying to evaluate in this presumably dress rehearsal. So that's, that's Jacksonville, uh, in a group. I I think in the secondary, just to, just to finish off Jacksonville, uh, Andre Cisco, young player, free safety, great ball skills, big body guy, uh, not the most rangy, but good instincts against the pass. Um, he'll probably live in a world where he's playing a lot of high post. Uh, I think that's a winning formula for the Dolphins if they want to take some shots and Tyson Campbell, if Tyree kill slash Jalen Waddle play, um, Tyson Campbell's a big physical corner. Uh, I'd be hoping that I get some press coverage reps against him to evaluate myself with. And then the other corner is is Darius Williams. So uh, I think Jacksonville, they're big on the trenches on both sides of the ball. They're big in general on defense. How do you as a team that's largely speed on offense choose to match that? How do you choose to challenge that? How do you choose to evaluate yourself with that? That's what I'm looking for. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked On, Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I appreciate you guys for checking out the show. Keep it locked in here on the Locked On Network because it is your team every day. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Make it a great one. I'll be back to talk to you all after the Dolphins' third preseason contest against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Fins up.